This is not our home. We are in exile. Citizens of heaven in a world held hostage. We are in Babylon. A corrupt and twisted generation. An empire of lies. We do not take up our weapons. We take up our crosses. We are willing to be crucified rather than conform. We would rather die than live by lies. We are not here to simply survive. We are here to thrive. Babylon belongs to King Jesus, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he must reign until every enemy has been put under his feet. Babylon the Great has been cast down. We are not captives. We are conquerors. We are not timid, cowering in fear. We are God's people, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. We are the Lord's, so we must be bold in Babylon. Good morning, everyone. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lisa, for reading uh, God's Word today. It's always a special time to read God's Word. That's a huge part of our gathering. One of my favorite heroes of the faith is a guy by the name of William Tyndale. Tyndale was a linguist, and he loved the Lord, and he loved the Word of God. And his life's ambition, his life's goal in the 1500s was to 
translate the Bible into the common language of English so that the common man could hear it. Because in that day, the common man did not have the Bible. Uh, it was only uh, from the Roman Catholic Church, and they interpreted the Bible and did not allow the, Ro- the common man to have the Bible. And so his goal was to interpret that uh, into English so the common man would have uh, the Bible. And as, as a result of this, he was always on the run for his life. He was exiled. He was persecuted. He spent uh, many, many, many years, times, months away from his home because he was uh, hunted down. Finally, his dream was realized in 1526 when he completed the translation of the New Testament, not long after that, the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, into English, and the common man had access to the Bible. But this didn't go well with the Roman Catholic Church. They actually found him. They arrested him. He was uh, branded as a heretic for doing so if you can imagine. And in Brussels, Belgium, where we have a campus, he was led to a stake and he was burned alive at, on the stake in Brussels, Belgium. You can actually go. There is a monument there in Brussels where uh, he was burned. And I, th- I think it's on that monument that is this inscription. And it says, he said, O Lord, Open the eyes of the king of England when he was on the stake. Oh, Lord, open the eyes of the king of England. And years after his death, here's what happened. The king of England made Tyndale's translation the official Bible of the Church of England. Now, folks, uh, today as we go to chapter 3 of Daniel, as Lisa just read, we're going to see another example of being bold in the flames, being bold in the face of flames as we look at these Three young men that we have probably, no matter how long you've been in church or if you've not even been in church, you've heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and the fiery furnace, right? And we're going we're gonna to look uh, today at their story. And, and even though you know this story, I, I hope I want to point out three things about this story that I think is very uh, relevant for our lives today. We're, one, we're going to see the call of Babylon Two, we're gonna see the confession of the bold. And three, we're gonna see the comfort of Christ. So let's dive in and look at the call of Babylon. Now remember in chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, the world power of the day, most powerful king, richest person on the planet, uh, had the most influence of anyone in the world at the moment. He had this dream that was driving him crazy. It was keeping him up. He couldn't sleep because of the dream. It says his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. And so he wanted to know what this dream meant. So he called in his sorcerers and he called in his enchanters and he called in all of his dream interpreter guys that had been trained in this thing in and, and a pagan land. And he said, hey, I, I, I had this dream. It's driving me crazy and I want to know what it means. And so they said, oh, king, no problem. Give it to us and we'll give it back to you, right? And we'll tell you the interpretation. And uh, so, but the king didn't trust them, nor should he. And so he said, uh, I'm going to up the difficulty level. Not only are you going to give me the interpretation of the dream, you're going to tell me what I dreamed. And they're like, are you cr- king? There is this impossible. No man can do that. Only the gods can do that. They don't even live among us. So this is impossible. And he was so angry. He said, if you don't do this, I'm going to tear your arms and legs off and I'm going to burn down your houses. And so This put Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the crosshairs of the king because they were considered wise men. 
They were a part of the group, although they weren't sorcerers and enchanters and all these things. They were still considered to be a part of this group. So it put them in the crosshairs of Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, guys, this is what's happening. All I need you to do is pray. Just pray. He didn't do prayer as a last resort. He did prayer as the first offensive Right, that, that was his weapon of war. He went to God because he knew only God can fix this. And so he said, pray, and God answered the prayer, and God gave Daniel the dream and its interpretation. And Daniel goes to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, hey, I've got your dream and your interpretation. He said, in your dream, here's what you dream. You saw this massive statue, and in this statue, it was made of different materials. It was gold in the head. It was, then it was silver in the chest area. And then in the midsection, it was, it was a bronze. And then the legs were iron and the feet were a mixture of iron and clay. And this rock fell and uh, that was hewn from no man's hands. It fell onto the feet that were made of partly clay iron and it crushed them and the statue came tumbling down. And that's your dream. Nebuchadnezzar was like, wow, you nailed it, son. That's exactly what I dreamed. I mean, how, how did you know that? Uh, and he said, because there is a God in heaven, is how I knew that, and God gave it to me. He said, you're good, Daniel. Daniel said, no, I'm not good. God's good. God gave, he gave glory where glory was due. He gave honor where honor was due. He didn't take the credit for himself. It was all about God. That's what his life was about. It was all about the glory of God. That's how we should live in this world, in our jobs, in our, in our athletics, in our hobbies, in, in, in our schools, in, in our families. Hey, listen, it's all about the glory of God in our marriage, right? And so that's what Daniel did. And so uh, he, he, King said, okay, give me the interpretation. What's it mean, what's it mean, what's it mean? You know? And Daniel said, well, here's what it means. Each section of that statue is a kingdom. Yours is the gold kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon was full of gold. It was stinking, filthy, rich, wealthy. And he said, yours is the gold kingdom. And then uh, when you go down, the next kingdom is made of silver. And, you know, as you go down each, you'll notice each material is less in value, but it's a stronger material. And, and, Daniel, and Daniel said, uh, your kingdom, uh, when, when that statue crumbled, here's what that says. All kingdoms, including yours, is gonna crumble. It's gonna fall. It's gonna be no more. And the rock that crushed them is gonna turn into a mountain that fills the entire earth. All kingdoms are gonna fail except one, and that's the kingdom of God. That's what he said. Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed by Daniel that he made Daniel, he gave Daniel the corner office in the court of Babylon, and Daniel said, if you're promoting me, I'm bringing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with me, and, and he made them high officials, and things were great until they weren't, until the next chapter. And chapter three opens up, as you uh, heard Lisa read, with Nebuchadnezzar building this massive image this massive image, it says that it was 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, a cubit's 18 inches, so it was 90 feet high and nine feet wide, and it was pure gold. Now, we don't really know if it was an image, if it was the statue in the image of Nebuchadnezzar or a statue in the image of his god, one of his gods. We really don't know. The assumption it was of Nebuchadnezzar, and if you'll notice, it was pure gold, the whole statue. You see what's going on? In chapter two, his dream was the golden head was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Now, uh, he, he's made an entire statue of gold. He's trying to counteract the dream. He's trying to, to, to counteract the dream. He's trying to say, yeah, my, my kingdom's not really going to end. I'm gonna make sure my kingdom stands forever. So the entire statue is gold, not just the head. 
It's my kingdom, and it's going to last forever, right? And he's trying to, to counteract this. And so, so here's what he does. He brings in, if you notice, he brings in these world leaders from all over the world, officials and, you know, satraps and prefects and, 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 and governors. And he just brings in all these people and influencers and world leaders to Babylon and, and he brings in, you notice all the instruments, the bagpipe and the lyre and the trigon and the, the harp. Those are instruments that represent instruments played in different parts of the world. And so here's what he's doing. He's bringing all the world together on the plain of Durham. Now, this is in a very, very significant place because this is the very plain where in Genesis, when the people of God, they stopped and they built this tower, this major tower, because they said, we're gonna build a tower that's gonna bring glory to us, and we're gonna prevent God from scattering people all over the world. They wanted, to, they wanted to unify people and bring glory to themselves. That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. This is, I'm gonna bring glory to me and my kingdom, and man, I'm gonna unify the world around one world religion, or, I'm, I'm, or not just one, but, but I'm gonna have everybody worship the same God that will bring unification. That way my kingdom will last forever. And so he brings them in. And most people, historians, tell us that, th- that the crowds would have been in the hundreds of thousands of people at the dedication of this ceremony. He's brought the world together. Hundreds of thousands, man. This would have been like a modern day Bonnaroo Burning Man type thing, right? I mean, except there wasn't any moon cabbage around probably. Maybe for after, I don't know. But he, he brings them in and, 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 and he says, listen, as soon as you hear the first note of the music from all the instruments of the world, as soon as you hear that, I want you to bow and, and worship the image. I want you to bow and I want you to worship the image, folks. This is the call of Babylon. This is the call of Babylon, the, the, the call to bow, the call to compromise, the, the call to conformity. You see, ancient Babylon, uh, when you begin to put this together, ancient Babylon was a polytheistic kingdom. It meant many gods. Polytheism is many gods. They worshiped all kinds of gods, right? They didn't care who you worshiped. And adding one more, this golden statue, adding one more to the mix, would mean really nothing. It, it, I mean, you're just adding another God to the mix. That's, that's one of our problems when we go to Bangkok and sharing the gospel in Bangkok. There's several cultural issues of, of sharing the gospel uh, that we have to overcome and learn to, to, to encounter. One of those is they're polytheistic. They're, you know, a, a, a Buddhist culture and there's many gods and it's very easy to, for people to acknowledge Jesus and just add him to uh, the gods that they worship, sink, it's called syncretism. You just add Jesus to the gods you already worship. And that's one of the things we do. And that's what's happening here. It's like, okay, here's another God along with the pantheon of other gods that you worship. It's no big deal around the world, right? So they didn't have a major problem with this. So worshiping this God in, in, in ancient Babylon was just adding God to it. They, had, they didn't care who you worshiped. As long as you didn't say your God was the only God. Right, as long as, you, as long as you're not monotheist, as long as you don't say your God is the only God, your God is the only way, as long as you're not exclusive, and as long as your God is secondary to the empire, we don't care who you worship. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? You see, that's the Babylon we live in. The Babylon we live in today says that 
We don't care who you worship. Here in our country, we actually, one of our founding principles is the freedom of religion, right? And it doesn't matter who you worship. I'm thankful for the freedom of religion uh, because it allows us to worship Jesus Christ freely. It allows me to stand up and proclaim to you the gospel today. It allows me to tell you, uh, uh, interpret scripture. Uh, it, It allows me to preach the Bible to you today. I'm thankful for that. But here in Babylon, so we don't care who you worship. You can worship uh, Jesus. You can worship Muhammad. You can worship Allah. You can worship, man, you can worship Benjamins in your pocket or the one that you want. You can worship a tree. We don't care as long as you don't say your God's the only God. We tolerate everything but people who are exclusive and say that their God is the only way to heaven. We don't tolerate that. And so you worship anything, but don't say your God's the only God and don't try to influence anyone by telling them about your God because if you do, then you're threatening the paragon of separation of church and state, right? And so this is Babylon. It's the Babylon that we live in. We live in a Babylon where in public schools, any hypothesis can be taught about creation, any hypothesis can be taught uh, uh, about uh, creation except intelligent design. It can't be taught except intelligent design. The, the call of Babylon is in every song that you hear on the radio. It, it is in, on every screen that you watch. It's the call to bow under the golden image of your career, of your dreams, of your comfort. It's, it's the call to buckle on our uh, uh, convictions about what the Bible says about, uh, uh, about sex. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a call to, to buckle to those and allow the screens, allow fantasy suites and Netflix to inform our convictions about God's sexual ethic. It, 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 is, it, it is a call uh, to accept the cultural ideas of sexuality and identity from the hallways of your schools and the lecture halls of the universities and, 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 and all, all from, the, from, from the opinions uh, of, of the world. It, it, it is a call that's in children's books in public libraries all over America. It's the call of Babylon and it's still ringing today. And here's the question, will you bow or will you stand tall? The call of Babylon, it's calling you today. Will you bow? or will you stand strong? So we see the call of Babylon, and folks, it's evident. But here we also see the confession or the courage of the bold, the confession and the courage of the bold. You see, as soon as the first note was hit on the harp and the bagpipe and the lyre and the trigon and all the instruments, as soon as the first note was hit, man, I mean hundreds of thousands of people hit the deck. They hit the deck, and they turned toward the statue, and they hit the deck. They bowed. For one moment, the entire world was unified. Now, around this one God, except three young Hebrew boys. The entire world was was unified except these Hebrew boys. And, And certain Chaldeans, it tells us, looked out. And when they looked out over the hundreds of thousands across the horizon, bowing to this image, there was three young boys Teenagers, teenagers standing. Three teenagers standing. And so these Chaldeans were 
a little jealous, probably because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been promoted, if you remember, in chapter two. And so they went to the king and tattled on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went to the king and tattled, told off on them, snitched. Now, guys, here's, here's one thing I want you to, to understand and don't, don't pass this up. The call of Babylon is strong and it's calling you to bow and to conform and to compromise and it's in, it's in every school, it's in every uh, TV screen, it's in every uh, uh, radio station and playlist. It's everywhere you look. It's on billboards, it's on your phone, it, it, it's on your social media, it's everywhere you look. The call of Babylon is strong and, and, and you're gonna have to determine, am I going to bow or am I going to stand strong? And here's what you're going to see. I wish I could tell you that when you stand tall and you refuse to bow, there's going to be thousands that join you, but that might not be the case. To be quite honest with you, standing is a very lonely act sometimes. Three out of hundreds of thousands. Three. Man, you might be the only one. You and a friend, hopefully, but you might be the only one. That's why there's this song that we used to sing when I was a kid that's still singing, you know, uh, though none go with me, I still will follow. We would sing that, uh, you know, but that was words that come off of our lips without a thought in our brain because sometimes, though none, even though others were going, I didn't go, right? Will you follow when no one else does, when hundreds of thousands, when, when, when the majority of the culture is bowing before the idols and the glittering idols of the world? Will you bow or will you stand strong even though no one else does? See, you might be the only one who says no, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to follow God's sexual ethic. I, I don't believe I'm an, I, I, I'm an animal. I don't believe sex is just for pleasure. I, I, I'm the, you might be the only one on your team. You might be the only one on your team that does that. And, and, and there should be others, because you know there are other Christians. They should do it too, but they may not. Are you going to be the one who stands? You may be the only one who says, no, I'm not going to listen to that joke because of how it degrades this person or this entire people group. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to laugh at it. And it might cause people to go, man, they're, they're, they're tight, they're stuck up, I don't wanna be around them. Are you gonna be the one? Are you gonna stand? Are you gonna stand and say, no, I, I, I'm gonna stick in my marriage? Although it'd be easy to run no, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to follow the call of Babylon. I'm going to stand for my God. You see, it was, it was only three, and what will, you, what will you do? The king was ticked off, by the way, and he had them brought before him. You never wanna really be brought before the king. He had them brought before him, and he said, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he had just promoted them a chapter earlier. Is this true that you refuse to do what I said? that you refuse to follow my order, that you refuse to bow to the image, is this true? And before they could answer, he said, I tell you what, I'm gonna give you one more shot. And man, right now, hundreds of thousands of people, are, their eyes are gonna be on you. And we're all gonna watch, and here's what's gonna happen. When you hear the first note of the, the, the music, you're gonna hit your knees, and you're gonna bow, and if you don't, I'm gonna throw you into the fiery furnace, and what God's gonna save you now, then. And so here is the confession of the bold, which reveals the courage of the bold. It's in uh, verses 16, and here's what it says. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. 
I love that. You get that translation, right? I mean, hey, hey, hey King, we don't, have to, we don't have to answer to you. We don't answer to you. We answer to our God. Love it. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, three very, very important words. You gotta get those words. Man, if you've got a hard copy, circle those. If you don't, when you get home, circle that. Find that and circle it. If you've got a Uh, an uh, electronic copy on your phone or your iPad or whatever you've got, man. You need to annotate, highlight, but if not, you see that? We were talking about this backstage. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Man, this is the brave heart moment in Babylon, isn't it? I mean, that's what this is. This is the brave heart moment, dudes, in Babylon. But it's also a blueprint for boldness for the believer here. I mean, notice the reply. Our God is able to deliver us. Did you get that? Our God is able to deliver us. Boldness isn't just in believing in God. It's believing God. Get that? It's not just believing in God that requires you to be bold. As a matter of fact, a lot of people say, I believe in God. It's not believing in God, it's believing God. Do you believe God? You see, that's what these three Hebrew young men did. They believed God. They knew how God had brought an entire group of over a million slaves out of slavery against the greatest world power in that day, Egypt. No way that could happen, but they, had, they knew that their God did that. They knew God had parted the Red Sea. They, they knew God led them through the wilderness. They knew God brought down a giant named Goliath, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. They knew God did these things, and they believed God. Do you believe God? That, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge thing. Do you believe God? They refused to bow because they believed God. And, and, and they didn't pay attention to the king or to his gods because they were captivated by their God. They loved him. They believed him and they refused to bow to anything but him. You see, this confession of the bold is this. It's that our God is bigger and he's better than any of the alternatives and more beautiful than anything Babylon can offer. Do you believe that about your God? Do you believe that your God is bigger and better than anything this world has to offer? Do you believe that? Don't just believe in God, don't just believe in God, but believe God and believe God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he will do. The comfort of Christ. Let's look at at, at the comfort of Christ. We see the, 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 the call of Babylon and it's raging today and we see this confession and the courage of the bold and now let's look at the comfort of Christ. You see, the king, oh, he was furious at this point. You just defied the king of the most powerful nation in the world. He is the most powerful man. He can do anything he wants and no one holds him accountable. He is the sovereign uh, uh, on earth given to him by God and you just defied him. These three Hebrew young men just defied him. And so 
he was furious. Now he had a, a furnace, and now many people believe that this furnace maybe have been a, a kiln uh, to build the base for this statue where they dried brick, all this kind of stuff, and I, I don't know, but he had this furnace, and he ordered the furnace to be actually turn up the heat seven times beyond what it was, seven times beyond normal. I mean, he had this thing white hot, folks. And then he, he ordered his men to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, take them and throw them into the furnace while hundreds of thousands, the world watched. Do this in front of the world. Man, embarrass them in front of the world. Embarrass their God in front of the world. Make them a spectacle for the world. Humiliate them. Humiliate their God. Let's show them what happens when your God comes against my God. That's what he's doing. And so they bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They take them to the furnace. And when, as they're throwing them in the furnace, the fire is so hot that it consumes the soldiers who threw them into the furnace. They're dead. Now, isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic that the people who obeyed Nebuchadnezzar ended up being fried while the people who obeyed God were saved? You see, it's, it, it, uh, it, it, the question was not whether God could save his people. The question was whether Nebuchadnezzar could save his. Right? And that's a great point that you need to remember is because your idols will not deliver what they promise. Our idols will never deliver what they promise, folks. They'll never do it. And, and, and so they... That they, they threw him in the fire, but it didn't go down the way King Nebuchadnezzar thought it would. He thought the world was gonna you know, see a, a burnt offering here. He thought the world was gonna see uh, three young Hebrews go up in flames and, and their God, the worship of their God would be, would be stomped out, right? Because who's gonna dare you know, try to worship this God in his face when they see what happens here? Uh, he, the, the world's gonna see this and take notice because he said, what God's gonna save you then, right? And it didn't turn out quite like he thought it would. He, 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 he goes and he, he notices inside of the furnace, there's something moving around and he notices and nothing can be moving. Remember, the fire was so hot that it consumed the people throwing, the soldiers throwing him in. They went up and smoke in a moment. And so Nebuchadnezzar looks and there's, there, there's walking around and he looks, he runs and he looks in and he says, oh, what's going on? He said, did we not throw three guys into the furnace? And they said, yeah, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, why is there four? There's four guys in there and they're walking around. And they're unbound, they're, they're, I, I, it just doesn't make sense. They're unbound, the, 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 the ropes are, are, are burnt, but their clothes are not even on fire. What's going on? There's four. Who was the fourth? Well, some people speculate that the fourth uh, was an angel. Most people believe that it was the pre-incarnate Christ. Most of the time in the Old Testament, when you see the angel of the Lord, that refers to the pre-incarnate Christ who comes to be with his people. And, and, and so what you, what you see here is it really doesn't matter if it was an angel or the pre-incarnate Christ. The point is this, God was with his people in the midst of the fire. God was with his people in the midst of the fire and he, 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 he saved them from the midst of the fire. As a matter of fact, he brought them out and they're in the middle of this white hot flames walking around. Man, they're in the middle of this white hot flames high-fiving each other. 
right? I mean, they're in the middle of these hot water. They brought them out and their clothes didn't even smell of smoke. They're totally saved. I, I want you to get this. Totally, it wasn't just, man, they come out, man, their, their hair was all singed and burnt, and I mean, man, they were like, man, you know, their arms were half on, half off, and they survived. They didn't even smell like smoke. They weren't even red with, 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 with any kind of first-degree burns. They were completely saved. Now, I wish, I wish I could tell you today that this is exactly what happens when you stand based on God's word. You see, I, some preachers would do that. Some preachers would, would, you know, that's more of a prosperity gospel preacher or a, you know, health and wealth, whatever you want to call it, that would tell you, man, if you do this and you do this, then God's going to do this. And, but don't ever, don't ever presume on God or back God in the corner. That's very dangerous. I wish I could tell you that this is what happens every time you stand and don't bow. I wish I could say, man, if, I promise you this, if your work's making you put pronouns on your email signature and you refuse, you will not lose your job because you're gonna be standing for God. I wish I could tell you that, but I can't. I can't tell you that. I wish I could tell you that if you choose to stand up and walk for God, teenagers, adults, I wish I could tell you that you will not lose any friends, but I can't do that. I wish I could tell you that when you go to work in your career, if you do business in a God-honoring way of honesty and integrity, and man, you're not gonna get into the games of, of backstabbing. And all. I wish I could tell you, you're not gonna miss promotions, but I, you're not gonna miss raises. I can't do that. Because that's, that's not what the Bible says. This is not a prescriptive passage, it's a descriptive passage. There are passages in scripture that prescribe things. There are passages that are describing things. This is a descriptive passage. All you have to do is look and fast forward and all the prophets in the Old Testament, you remember how they treated the prophets in the Old Testament? Uh, they murdered them because they went and told them the truth of God. Do you remember the, the disciples? Every disciple was murdered they had their heads cut off. They were boiled in pots of oil. I can't tell you that when you stand, God's gonna save you totally and you won't even smell a fire of smoke. Man, you just stand for God and get, and tell, get out of the way and just walk. I wish I could tell you that, but I can't because that's not what the Bible promises. The Bible promises that when you do, you will be blessed beyond measure and God will be honored, but it doesn't always say God's going to save you from the fire but he will save you. Sometimes he is with you in the fire rather than pulling you out of the fire. Did you get that? Sometimes you're saved in the fire and sometimes, guess what? I, I, I don't understand, but it's not God's will that it work out the way we want it to. I'll promise you, standing for Christ is going to be costly. You see, that's what the Hebrew boys said, remember? They said, our God can save us and he will. And he was going to either way, right? He was going to save them either way. I mean, he was gonna save them and pull them out and leave them in Babylon to be witnesses or like Paul said, to live as Christ and to die as gain. He was gonna bring them on home and he was gonna save them either way, right? They're saved. He said, our God can pull us out of this fire. He can save us. But get these three words. But if not. But if not. But if not, we're still gonna follow him. Yeah, it, you, you follow God and 
man, he can still give you raises and he can give you promotions and he can give you friends. But if not, but if not, you get that, church? That's what we've got to resolve to. I mean, it's easy, man. In, 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 the, in, in the locker room before the game, man, this was, this was one of my fortes. It's easy to get that team so fired up, man, that they're going to go and they'll run through a brick wall. They'll hit their head on the wall until it bleeds. It's easy to get a team to run through the, to, to, through the, you know, tear the banner apart and come out, man, and they're ready to fight. And then that kickoff, and then they get hit in the face. It's like, oh, oh, mommy, mommy. I've seen it happen a hundred times. I've seen a kid run out there and they look on their face like, I'm going to destroy somebody. And man, they get hit one time and it's like, I might get destroyed. Let me get off to the sideline. It's easy to get fired up. It's easy to say, oh, we're going to do this. And, 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 and it's easy to think, man, we're going to do this because you know what? If I do this, then God's going to save me. He's going to. What if he doesn't? That's what you've got to be resolved. Because we're all going to go through the fire. You see, this, this still happens every day, this scenario. This happens every day. Man, you are, the, 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 you are forced with this decision and you are forced with this, this dilemma. Are you going to bow to all the glittery idols the world is throwing before you or are you going to stand strong for your God and bow to him only? And these idols of the world, let me tell you something, they promise to bless you if you worship them. And they will curse you if you do. They promise to curse you if you don't. You see, they promise that if you live for, uh, man, likes, if you live for likes on Facebook and likes on Instagram, if you live to, for, for the applause of people and if you live to please people, if you live for that, man, then, man, you're just gonna be, man, you're gonna be, you know, seen by all but if you don't, you're gonna burn in the fiery furnace of mockery and ridicule. That's the, that's the idol of the world. Man, you're going to, you, you got this God of sex that's worshiped today, and you're gonna bow down, and you're gonna worship this God of sex, and it, it, it's just gonna do, you wouldn't believe how, just pleasure. Oh, man, just, just go for the pleasure, right? And, and, and that's what it's gonna give you. But, and if you don't, you're gonna burn you're gonna burn in the flames of frustration. And I, I, I mean, that's the idols, the glittery idols of the world. They do not deliver what they promise that they're going to deliver. They lead to your death, not to your life. It happens every day. It happens every day. Are you gonna bow? Are you gonna believe God? Are you gonna bow or are you gonna believe God? Because here's the thing, we all go through stuff and we're all tempted, and tomorrow, when you go to school, students, when you go to work, when you go home, today, you're gonna to be tempted to bow to those idols. You're gonna, the call of Babylon is so pervasive, you don't even know it's there. It, 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 permeates your, it permeates our culture and our worldview so much, we don't even realize that's what it is. And, but as you give yourself to the Lord and as you become a believer in Jesus Christ and then as you submit to him and as you begin to get into his word and as you begin to walk with him and as you begin to pray and as you begin to study, then here's what happens. This call of Babylon, it begins to feel sticky and icky for you because God begins to change how you think and then that begins to change how you act hopefully because you realize this is, this is something's wrong with this. It's not right, it's called conviction. 
and then your sexual ethic changes, and then your things that come out of your mouth changes, how you feel about people changes. All of a sudden you realize, man, I've hated that guy all my life, and all of a sudden I'm like, I, I can't hate, I mean, forgiveness begins to work into your heart because the Holy Spirit's there, and you begin to sense, hold on a minute, this is the call of Babylon. It's called sanctification, growing to be more like Christ and less like the world, looking different than the world, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Will you bow or will you believe God? Here, here's something else that we can learn from this. Something else that we can learn from this is we're all gonna go through the flames. We're all gonna go through the flames. And some of you right now, you've got a bad medical report. Some of you, you're about to lose someone that you love dearly. And you know what? Here's, here's what I want you to understand in all that. Should you pray for God to heal those people? Yes, absolutely, you bet, because I know that my God can. I know that my God can. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know my God can heal anyone of anything at any moment he chooses. I know my God can. But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't know if that's his will or not. I don't know, so what do I do? God, please heal my mama, please heal my grandmama. Please heal them, God. But if not, I'm still gonna serve you. But if not, you might lose your job. God, please don't let me lose my job over this. Please save my job, but if not. God, please bring my child back home. Please help my child not Please help them to be here. Help them to run hard after you. But if not, God, but if not. You see, if we don't understand the resolve in our world of uh, Babylon, but if not, we will falter and we will crumble. I know, because that's been my call the last year. But if not, What we can also learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how you handle the fire. It's gonna speak loudly to the world about what you believe about your God. One last thing that's very important that I want you to see is that Nebuchadnezzar he, you know, he, he acknowledged their God. Wow, he even made a decree that anybody who disses their God, I'm gonna kill them. It's great. But folks, he might have been convicted, but he wasn't converted. He might have been convicted, but he was not converted. He was shaken, but he wasn't sanctified, folks, like so many people today. Having a great experience with God doesn't mean you're converted. All of a sudden saying that you acknowledge that there is a God does not mean you're converted. Your conversion will prove out in, in what you do and we see again, things are good until they're not. Things will prove out in how you live your life. He was shaken but he was not sanctified. He was convicted but he was not converted. What about you? 
what about you? So many people say, oh man, I've, I, Jesus, but it's lip service, just like Nebuchadnezzar. Today, today, let today be the day to where you are converted, not just convicted. Jesus walked through the flames of the cross. Unlike Neb- Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was alone. Remember, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because he had the sin of the world upon his shoulders and God had turned his back on that sin because he's a holy God. He was alone, but he went through the fire of the cross and he took the fiery judgment so that the fire, the flames of judgment would not touch those who surrender to him. Will you do that today? Will you do that today? Those of you who don't know him, maybe you have been convicted, but you've never been converted. Let today be that day that you are converted. Let today be that day that you are converted. Man, if you're a believer, then I would challenge you to be bold in Babylon, and that requires believing God and saying, I, I, don't none go with me, I still will follow. Man, I might hurt, it might, it might cost me uh, uh, my career, it might cost me friends, it might cost me money, it might cost me my life. God can save me, but if not, I'll still praise him. But if not, he's still good. But if not, he's still in control. But if not, he's still God. And that's the God you wanna serve. Today, as Travis and our band comes to lead us in this time of, of um, Response. You've heard the word. You respond how God leads you. If you want to know how to give your life to Jesus, you can come back and see us. We probably have deacons at the, at the sides over here. You want to come and pray, you pray. You respond how God leads you to respond. Father, we love you. God, we are grateful. Father, that you are our God. And God, help us to be bold in Babylon. I pray, God, that we are bold in Babylon. I pray, God, that people would resolve that you are God, but, and you can save us from anything, but if not, we're going to follow you and we're going to serve you. God, help us to bow to no one but you. God, I pray that today many people would bow their heart to you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.